The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. We managed to survive gathering of eagles. I realize that's a shocker to all of you out there in internet land. But you know what? My buddy Brett, he's back on the podcast tonight. Brett, how you doing? I'm good. Y- y'all got any more of that tenderloin? Uh, oh, let, let's let's not talk about that yet. I, I, I might vomit. But you know, we also decided to bring Steve on the podcast tonight since he had to suffer through the weekend with us. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's good to be back and a great weekend at GOE. That's for sure. Nice. Well, since we mentioned tenderloins, the self-proclaimed tenderloin, or as he misspelled it once, the tenderloin uh, guy, Chris, how you doing? Did you did your gut survive? It, it, it did, but it's been. Um, yeah, like I said, I lost a belt loop. Um, we're working on that. It's it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe. Anytime I go down to Indiana, I was warning you guys, man. That is like food freaking heaven those people they they know how to do two things game and eat that's fine it's easy one tubby tubby two tubby tubby (laughs) we'll get you back in shape didn't brian say he had a book it was like 100 things to do in indiana i think 84 of them were eating (laughs) exactly yeah yeah. 84 84 of them were food doesn't surprise me well let's uh not talk about food and how fat we now are uh let's hop right into the flight line and talk about what everyone's working on i you know brett steve you guys were working on a campaign system and then i think you probably could summarize it with doug's an asshole (laughs) where are we now on that system brett well we've uh steve got a bunch of pre-print draft copies so we could all look at it in hard copy format and you know find more stuff that needs to be corrected but uh, I like how you ripped out like the middle third. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be not the best way to edit somebody's writing. Uh, I, I do think that a couple guys at the table laughed a little bit as I ripped a chunk of pages out. Steve, at least thanks for not crying when I did that uh, in my, my way of editing your work. Yeah, if, if I cried every time somebody ripped up something I wrote, I'd be, uh, I don't think I ever would have made it out of eighth grade. Yeah. So it was all right. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you know, we'll get there eventually. I think there's a a lot of uh, stylistic things we're going to have to bat back and forth. Um, Obviously, the system is there. You guys demoed it. You know, what did uh, what did people say when they played through the system? I I think it was well received. I mean, you know, we talked about ripping stuff and out kind of tongue in cheek. It's not that we intend to remove content. Uh, It's that there's lots of ways to reformat it and maybe preserve our intent of making it so it's not something you have to constantly flip through, but maybe condensing charts or something. We've still got to wrap our head around it, but making it where it's still super user-friendly. Anyway, we went through it with a few people, and I think everybody had a chance to mess with it, enjoyed some of the little fun things that get added to it, uh, some of the pre-game and in-game stuff, and then I walked a couple folks through some of the stuff that could happen post-game. So I think there was it was, you know, people were like, oh, man, I want to use this. I, I think Dan was saying, Dan's one of our guys from California that joined us for GOE. He was saying uh, he was anxious to maybe try that out with his gaming group back in California. So that was I thought that was a pretty good endorsement, even just looking at the draft. Absolutely. Well, uh, before we say that everything is sunshine and roses with uh, you and Steve, I think I think we had a little bit of a standardization issue. I think there was uh, a little bit of drama about what size clear bases to use. Uh, for ground targets, right? I mean, Steve, you uh, you showed up with some uh, custom cut acrylic, right? Yeah, you know, it was a. I just tried to estimate kind of uh, what would fit well with the game. And uh, man, talk about the ground targets that were painted up, though. They just awesome those ships. And I think uh, Brett said they were from flight deck decals on the carriers. I mean, those things just looked just looked awesome. They're absolutely amazing, those flight decal ones. I, I still got to find time to get to the Japanese ones. The Japanese ones, by far, I mean, if you think the American and British carriers look good, the Japanese carrier flight deck decals are just freaking amazing, the level of detail that they went into those things. I started with 77 millimeter pill shaped bases from Litco on all the ground targets, like rolling stock trucks and tanks and stuff. But uh, when I saw the cuts that Steve brought, that's really 
I, I like those even better. It's sort of the ideal, I think, target size. Yeah, I think it really depends, you know, kind of what we're throwing out there. And we went with the round bases first because, well, it's what we ordered off of Amazon uh, at the time. And I think some of the industrial or airfield targets will look better on those pill-shaped ones because they're rounded. So you don't feel like you're putting this square clunky piece of acrylic down there, but they're longer. So you can paint a runway on there or you can lay out some more of the buildings and you don't feel like you're just putting a smokestack and a a warehouse out there. Um, and especially obviously for the trucks and tanks and, uh, you know, Steve, uh, thanks for uh, bringing us some swag to hand out in the swag bag with the convoys that people got, uh, in case people didn't notice if you were a Axis player, you got an allied convoy. If you're an allied guy, you got an Axis convoy. Um, but I think we got some cool targets that we can set up, uh, and kind of standardize out a little bit with that. You know, there's been a lot of discussion on ready room about what's the right ground target size, you know, what scale to use. And and really you can't go wrong with just about anything you do. And I really want to like the um, Victory at Sea stuff. And I saw a bunch of it there at GOE. And I think that would be a good size target for just about any airstrike mission that has a surface target. Except the tsunami base. Why is it sitting on a wave larger than the yeah, ship? That's yeah. all right. So yeah, it's the, a little stylized. Yeah, Measure to the base. It's all right. Yeah. The quarter-inch high base was a little bit distracting on those. Yeah, I mean, I understand why they did it. There's there's limitations, obviously, with when you 3D print something, put it in the resin, and they're doing spin cast resin. I, I get it. It's just so funny to me when I look at that and go, wow, the base is actually taller than some of the ships. <laughs> I, I talked to AJ. It, when it comes to ground targets and how you're going to model those or represent those on a table, I think there's a huge opportunity because you know if you just listen to the buzz on Ready Room, people asking the question, and, and just all the things you potentially could do in terms of modeling or whatever, if you just don't want to go through all that much hassle and you, you, I mean, there's just, it could go so many different directions. So not everybody is going to want to find, you know, bases and models and paint those models up and stick them on bases. Not everybody's going to go through all that. Uh, something like a chit of some kind could work great. Uh, we talked to AJ at Gathering of Eagles with the, um, all the stuff he does with the neoprene, the custom cut neoprene with artwork yeah. on it. I mean, yeah, gosh, I, that's, I that's think huge, that's a great way. That that may be a, the, the most, almost ideal method because you imagine it's going to be easy to transport. It's lightweight. It's no muss, no fuss. There's nothing really for you to do and you could get it whatever size. I mean, I don't know. I think it's a lot of potential there. Dude, those, those custom cut clouds. I mean, you had talked about them before, Doug, mentioned them, and this was the first time I had seen them. The immediate thing I did was say, I, I need those, because it is so nice to have your counters moving across the table or have a ruler flop over, and the cloud doesn't go shoot like two inches, So because you bumped it, because it's cardboard sitting on top of neoprene. But having that neoprene sitting on neoprene, dude, that was just awesome. It is the perfect solution for that problem. Yeah, I think those uh, worked out pretty well. I mean, we still need, we can still tweak the colors a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we had to decide to do something a little different and stylized than what shows up in the box set. But, you know, the funny thing for, uh, for how many times we talked about that and kind of batted the ideas back and forth, uh, we wanted to have the, the perfect answer and have these die cut clouds that were cut the exact same as the, uh, as the ones in Blood Red Skies in the starter set. But, you know, as COVID always screws up everything, it, it actually shut down the place that makes the neoprene cutting dies. So <laughs> there in California, we couldn't get any new dies made. Um, so, you know, I, I really have to say a, a huge, huge thank you. Thank you to Christy, uh, AJ's wife, uh, for hand cutting out all of the swag bag uh, neoprene that we had and then all the clouds that we played with. So um, while everybody else was having a good time, she was sitting over there with a nice pair of shears and making sure everyone's clouds looked pretty. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the tough part that I always think with the ground targets is balancing what looks cool with making it playable, right? So you have yeah. like the scale. Or transportable. Cool. I mean, my oh, problem yeah. is all those targets are so fiddly that uh, it's easy for me to take planes off the stand, throw those in a case. Um, but I mean, between factories and, you know, the airfields are kind of okay, airfields and bridges. Um, I think I'm going to end up finding myself with a with a larger two-inch uh, two inch by one inch kind of foam cutouts so I could drop the targets in there and have a whole layer of my uh, my case be all the targets. Um, but neoprene is such an elegant solution for that. Yeah, it'd be cool even, uh, like Brett was saying, do some neoprene airfields, neoprene, you know, some top-down artwork, stylized stuff with some, you know, top silhouettes of ships, top silhouettes of buildings and stuff. I think you could really do a lot with the neoprene. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, yeah, I, so I know talk- battle foam will cut you anything you want. If you're looking for something that just goes down in foam, circle, pill shape, you name it. If you've got a freaking, you've got a dimension on it, you can send them a freaking PDF of it. They they can cut it. I mean, they've they've cut some pretty amazing stuff for me for heresy for you know things like um, Damocles drop pods and stuff like that where you've got those really spindly legs. They they yeah, will do space marines with spindly legs. Absolutely. Yes. Heresy. We did we do that this weekend? Yes, I guess we, we played some heresy. heresy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. You freaking sellout. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Chris. I know there are a few more things you want to talk about on markers. I know you were talking about painting some wakes on on the acrylic to make it look uh, more realistic. Putting uh, some light flat markers out there. What else did you thought about? Oh yeah, uh, I unpacked all my stuff when I got home, and I was like, you know what? Well, first of all, the big, the bigger bases that that uh, Steve gave me, the acrylic pill shaped things he bought that are or brought that are a little bigger than the seventy seven mil ones I had. All my ships were just on the table; they weren't on bases before. As soon as he busted those out, I immediately went over and started gluing the ships onto those bases. It just makes it a more standardized. Uh, you know, target to measure to, regardless of what the ship is. And then I, as I put them on those bases, I thought, man, you know, kind of like I did for the, the trucks and the tanks and stuff, where I kind of painted little roads on there. I thought I should do that for the wakes too. So I'm going to start on that uh, here probably this weekend. I'll get wakes put on all the ships. It looks so good, just the clear on the freaking the blue freaking sea mat. I mean, yeah, it, it does. It, I... You get to move the model around as the big Benny without ever touching the model. I mean, that was the thing about the ships. Your ships are so gorgeously painted. It's like, I, I don't want to handle that a whole lot because I'm going to end up rubbing some of that dry brush work off. Where if you put them on that plastic base, you never have to touch it, basically. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it looks, it looks really good that yeah. way, Brett. Yeah, I noticed, too, like I was saying, too, about the standardizing the measurements. You know, one ship's bigger than another one. But if you put it on the standard, that standard, that, that base that's the same size for all of them. I'm sorry, I don't know the dimensions of it off the top of my head, but uh, it's... Uh, it makes all your measurements uh, standard and, you know, prevents, at least, at least reduces some of the traffic jam you might have if you're flying a bunch of bombers to a target, right? Yeah, exactly. Since you've experienced that traffic jam firsthand. <laughs> well, let's move on into the Intel update. Things that we've seen coming out. I mean, there's obviously a, a lot of people that are hitting their release information uh, this week, last week between Warlord, uh, ROC Works, um, you know, I even Litco, I had to laugh that uh, front and center on Litco's Labor Day sale was nothing other than the blood red skies airstrike target markers. So I, I, I kind of got a little warm and fuzzy there as, uh, as all the work we'd put into that uh, showed up on theirs as their uh, their big promo. But obviously, Ken and the guys at Litco uh, love helping us out and love working with Lead Pursuit. So they're more than happy <laughs> to promo that stuff and sell that acrylic. But back to aircraft, JU-88s and PE2s. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I should I should care about those. You guys all excited about those, I guess? I am, but they're they're hard to get a hold of right now. So, I've I've looked at a couple sites and everybody's out, you know, with the, yep. the COVID stocking issues. So, I've just been like, you know, whatever. I'll just I'll just wait. You know, I've got so many things in the backlog that it's kind of like I've already got two PT, PE2s built, and it comes down to how many PE2s do you really need? Um, but um, I mean, it's I'm not bred. I'm not going to build like every ju88 squadron that's out there oh, but um, I'll, I'll be getting some ju88 c's you know <laughs> you, I, I was, you'll, be getting, you'll be getting freaking 26 ju88 yeah, c's yeah. eventually so i have i have just three of the ju88 a's the first ones that came out the old svesda models and you know they don't have panel lines or anything but i still really like them they're among my favorite uh bunch of planes and uh, that i've painted so far so i imagine that the c's new sculpts or whatever they'll probably look really good right so that's yeah, I'm fairly on. certain uh, if Brett paints like nine more JU-88s, he's actually going to exceed the actual Luftwaffe production. So it'll be interesting what he does for serial numbers then. Yeah, yeah, he's going to have to start inventing things. Uh, that's that's all right. We're used to that with Brett. Hey, I got an extra squadron. What do I do with them? I, I don't know, man. Well, and well, and he also tried to – he he literally tried to, you know, sticky finger steal some 109s that we were supposed to hand out as uh, – you know, as swag bags, he's like, hey, I could use more 109s. I'm like, get your freaking fingers off the swag bag. Gear. Dude, dude, this this is this is the guy that's like, you know, I don't have to do like every squadron. I could do every squadron and I could do one year to the next. 
Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's three months later, and they painted the plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is we could we could skip on. Uh, we could talk about obviously we've mentioned the F nine F Panthers, the F eighty shooting stars, wonderful targets. I mean, wonderful fighters that are coming out. Uh, we'll have those for Korea. Uh, we'll see if Warlord uh, gets some of those over here quickly to the U.S. so we can uh, get an unboxing of those. Uh, and then P-39s. I mean, like I'm, I'm hanging out on, you know, John Russell's Wednesday feed and people start mentioning P-39s. Who the fuck cares about P-39s? How did, how did this make the release list? I can see just from a Russian and U.S. aspect, it's an airplane that you can play in two different air forces. So I think it's going to be something that in the end is pretty popular sell for them. We actually saw some P-39s this week. So, yes, um, we did. They seem to play okay. Um, they've got a ground attack, you know, with that big old 30 millimeter. So we'll see what, what happens with that. I, I'm going to so. make you take them, paint them and play them as P 400s on Guadalcanal. That's no. what you're going to have to do, Chris. No. <laughs> U.S. Army P-400s. You get the that export version because you suck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like it, those those poor freaking Army Air Corps pilots, if you ever read any of the accounts of that, that is just a saddest story. It's like they look at all they, – they look at these old Wildcats taken out. They're like, wish we had oxygen bottles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sad when you look up to the Wildcat. You're flying a true piece of crap when you look up to the Wildcat. Go, I wish I was flying exactly, one of those. Exactly, exactly. How bad is your airplane? They're like, I wish I flew Wildcats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Steve was doing a Lord's work with those P-39s against some German bombers with, uh, what is it, heavy hitter and head-on attack? It didn't suck. Uh, yeah, I think it, what was it, heavy hitter and, yeah, whatever the head-on, is it head-on attack doctrine that lets you get the extra critical or something when you're going right, against, when you're the going against a multi-engine bomber. Oh, man, they were killing it. When we used to play IL-2, believe it or not, the 39 with that 30-millimeter cannon, it was one of the most popular airplanes out there. If you were going up against anybody that was not flying a freaking fighter, if you were doing any fighter versus bomber, fighter versus ground target, it was just an airplane that everybody went to because if you could fill your windscreen with what you were shooting at and squeeze that trigger one time, it was freaking gone. I mean, the way that they had that thing modeled. I mean, it's a 30 millimeter cannon. It just, it's an amazing piece of gear. In fact, Wright Patterson's got um, a freaking one of those 30 millimeter cannons torn apart and cut in half at the museum there. That's in the Korea. No, it's not the Korea. It's the, I can't remember which display it was. It was maybe it was late Japan because it was a snow field. Um, I just can't remember exactly which one they did, but it was it was it was that whole freaking cannon cut in half, and you realize how big those shells are, and it's like that's an amazing piece of engineering. I was looking up the numbers because I'm like, he was at the museum, he couldn't get it wrong. He's seen this fucking thing. It's a 37 millimeter goddamn cannon. Jesus. <laughs> okay, I thought I was losing my mind there. No, you know me and numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's numbers not like are I was optional. a math guy. That's why yeah, your exactly. boot size never fit when you yeah, work exactly. with me. Yeah, exactly. No shit. Now I'm starting to understand. <laughs> hey, what? You know, how many bags were on that pallet again? Were there 20 bags, 24 bags? I don't know. Where'd the Dude, extras go? If you go? count too close, fuck, they'll never get on I a know. plane. You know, if They're you probably really in Pakistan the somewhere. Knows what's going on, they'll say no. <laughs> I just had to cross check you. So I was on Wikipedia, you know, the source no, of all the No, it is. It is a 37. It is huge. It is. <laughs> it's but like, it's, it's have I lost my mind? No. no you're Sources right. say it's I was a 37. Thinking, I think I had 30 <laughs> stuck in my head thinking A10, and I was thinking about it with the A10 and how big the shells were. There there was the quote of the week in case no one heard Brett sneaking it in. Sources say, that's what we've all heard these days when people quote Wikipedia. So um, if you say that to me, when we're doing historical research, sources say, I'll assume you got it off the internet. Anyway. Moving on, Rockworks. What are those slack bastards doing these days? Oh man. Uh, well, we got a F6F coming out hopefully uh, here soon. Looks like the uh, Swordfish is going to be officially released here. Another biplane Beep. for you. Who cares? Beep. <laughs> and I keep. Uh, I'm keeping pulling the strings for the uh, Black Widow. So yeah, we're gonna nice. have a P61 here sooner or later. I heard something about a A36 Apache, maybe? Question oh, yeah, mark? there's a, well, it's cool. You know, one of the things Richard's really looking into and something else just to, uh, if you are interested in getting in on this early, so some of the similar planes, uh, they're going to get released in different versions and then potentially people that bought them early, they'll get like a re-release version. So we have the uh, P-51 Mark One. We have the Mark 1A that has the cannons, and then we're gonna do a version of the Mark 1 P51 that's actually the the you know the A36 Mustang or Apache. So so how do you flaps. how do you how do you pitch into that? Do you 
buy the STL early from from Rockworks? Is there a membership fee? What's the what's the I want in for all access way that they're doing it? Yeah, the best way to do it is uh, buy the model when it's new. And then pretty much anybody who buys those STLs when they're new, they're going to get all the subsequent updates. So one of the okay. things also, nice. like with uh, you know the Spitfire, uh, they're going to do a version that's the same Spitfire version but with the clipped wings or some of the – uh, biplanes or the that have the open cockpit, they're going to do open cockpit version, closed cockpit version. And if you're buying one of the first STLs, you're going to kind of be able to get those as updates. So another uh, awesome thing that Richard's doing, because I believe he's just totally opposed to making any money at all. Yes. Richard, we're wondering if you're going to be out on the street here shortly <laughs> from doing all of this. We'll take up a collection and send it your way. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm always amazed what he's doing. I'm happy he's extending so many options to the community. And, you know, to be honest, I think STL files are the wave of the future. It uh, it takes us a little bit of time to get people spun up on how to 3D print, but I think uh, a lot of gamers are going to go that way. Yes, Brett? I was lurking on Aerial War Games and somebody posted something about, oh, I got all these 200, uh, one to 200 scale models. And I was wondering if I could get like bombs or rocket, you know, I don't know what they were asking for exactly. And, and my first thing was like, man, I should tag Steve on this and I didn't because I didn't know kind of where you guys were because you decided to stop being grandpa Brett yeah, yeah, <laughs> tagging yeah. everyone well yeah so but now that you're here uh is that a thing is that something that has some legs potentially oh ab absolutely uh the swordfish actually is coming with that torpedo uh and we've messed around with uh you know maybe some under underwing rockets underwing bombs you know drop tanks all kinds of stuff like that and that's you know one of the like you said with the 3d printing you can kind of once you have that base model you can kind of go for whatever you want and so just speaking of roc works i mean the physical models you buy the physical models from him and you're getting them in that laser storage that's almost you know paying for the laser storage getting the models for free i mean it's just it's crazy yeah so between the laser cut foam the storage the cheap shipping to the U.S., so I don't know who, who was on the take in the you know Royal Post, that uh, the Royal Mail, that uh, Richard's getting $5 shipping to the U.S. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Richard, if you're making any money at this, then you're a better man than I figured you for. But we're we're super appreciative. But let's, let's move on from Rockworks to that other guy that's out there. So Roman has been dropping a lot of models on the ready room. Uh, he's got a Patreon site, so in case you haven't gone to go check out uh, Plain Printer on Patreon, he's out there, and he's got a membership uh, that breaks it down. Have you guys looked at a couple of his models out there? I saw he had a P61. <laughs> I wasn't going to roll that out there. Damn it. Yes, he does. <laughs> no, you know, I'm looking at them. I mean, I definitely think they're, uh, they definitely look pretty cool. I'm uh, curious to hop on there and look through the whole library of them and curious to see how they print. But I think there's a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of options out there just depending what you're looking for. And really, it's it's just really great to be able to have all those options. Uh, yeah, to me, you know, it's a lot like, like going out there. There's there's different World War II tank companies you're going to buy from. I mean, if you're just looking between Rubicon and a bunch of other different companies, there's, there's all these different, you know, figures, tanks. You can go to Warlord and... Well, we know what we think of their infantry figures. Uh, but, you know, there's there's a variety of different things out there. And I'm happy that Roman's doing this. Um, he's got a couple different uh, membership levels out there on Patreon, uh, you know, all the way up to $10 a month for kind of an, an all-access. So I think that's pretty cool that he gives you a way to say, hey, I'm just going to keep funding you each month and keep putting models out there, uh, and I'll start uh, printing them. So, so I'll have to see how his stuff works, how it looks, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm always happy for there to be a variety of price points and, uh, and kind of details levels out there because you know people may not necessarily be into resin printing uh they may be doing some regular 3d printing and not need super detailed fine panel lines and things like that steve where did those mark nine spitfires come from were those yours or somebody else's uh i didn't see any mark nines this weekend but uh i had some mark fives maybe it was mark fives five that's B's. what it was i was just looking those at the big ROC guns on them works. okay yeah those those are roc works and there's also that one available with the uh, tropical filter under the chin also. So, uh, yeah, those are Mark Fives, and, man, I love those things. They, yeah, they, awesome they looked really them. amazing. I was sitting there looked, just staring at them going, oh, man, that is just so nice. Picked them up, and it was like, oh, look, they, they're not made of Peter, and they don't just fall over. 
So yeah, I'm definitely going to be investing in some of those at some point. Yeah, you know, I'd really get into this whole resin printing thing if I didn't have a friend named Steve who was already into the resin printing. Yeah, so so Steve, we're going to be relying on you. <laughs> that way I don't have to have the hazmat site in my house. I stumbled out of GOE with some gladiators and some uh, 109F7 drops. From, and I put the gladiators back after they burned my hand. So, <laughs> so I, no, no gladiators for this kid, but I'm glad uh, you've got a couple of those to paint up. Well, you know, the issue is there, Brett, that's not like a gift. You're supposed to paint those up. So uh, Richard has some nice, nice photos for his website there. All right, I'll get on it. It's going to be Malta. Well, let's also talk about what's not coming out. So <clears throat> if uh, if you've been following the Ready Room, you saw the, uh, I don't know what to call it, marketing shaming that just went on. Well, I won't be getting any Christmas cards from Paul Sawyer. But what's not coming out anytime soon is a card deck. What do we think about that? What about these theater doctrine equipment cards? I think it's crazy. I mean, I don't know why they would not release release a card deck for this game i just can't figure it out yeah it it makes zero sense to me Chris. that was one of the big questions asked of andy i mean when yeah, we, we had him we, in there in the format i know comes up not literally a he's a developer he's week. not the guy making those marketing decisions but yeah so yeah it's definitely something that needs to be sorted out it's it was a brilliant move you look at games like dust and it just it it revitalized a whole a whole game system just by putting it did. And, out. and they, I think, did it every two years, right? I think they did like even years. They did like yeah. 2014, 2016. Yep. Then at 2018, they put the app out. And so they, they kind of transitioned away from it. Uh, I think transitioning away from it was a mistake. Um, I get it for cost reasons. But I think for Dust, uh, they're realizing that people still do like the hard cards for, for some things just because Well, in Dust, it's, it becomes really important because you've actually got dots on Dust that you're keeping track of health right. points and stuff like that. So it's really easy to put those in a plastic you know, cover and just tick them off with a freaking dry erase marker and you're never forgetting anything and you've got them all laid out on the table. That's one of the big draws to them with Dust. You know, not as important with Blood Red Skies, but at the same time, just having the damn cards is pretty damn important, especially when you've got a deck that you're shuffling through and you're playing cards. And if you ain't got the cards, it kind of sucks. Yeah, so so Paul Sawyer, we're not telling you how to run your company, uh, except we are. We're, we're, yeah, we're telling it, you, you're missing an opportunity it here. It prevents people from buying his airplanes because they don't have cards sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, and and literally there are people, I will, I will be 100% honest here, who when you say you can't get a summary deck, they're like, well, but but is everything coming out in the next starter set? And you say, no, no, actually the starter set's going to have a subset of them. So you still won't have all of them. And some of them are out of print and you're screwed. And people look and you know what they say? They're like, oh, that's like that fucked up game X-Wing. And you have to just sit there and go, wow, that that hurts. That that really kind of cuts me to the core. But yep, yes, right on yes the it is. <laughs> it's just like X-Wing. We've fucked you the same way. So, you know, um, Paul, please, let's put out some cards. Make it, make it easy on all of us. And that's all I'll say about that because I'm already on their shit list. <laughs> and we don't want the podcast to be totally banned. No, I will tell you, this was the first time I've actually ever played Open Deck 2. And I feel like they could really do some cool stuff with development of the game if they just release cards. Because when you start playing open deck and you're rolling through different aircraft traits, you know, I think it really opens you up to start releasing more Doctrine cards, more theater cards, you know. And they could really, you know, really do something with the development as well. Yeah, and and if you look even at the battery of crap that that we've sent to Andy as we've gone through the Vietnam playtesting, uh, sure, there's only really two or three aircraft cards, but there's a ton of Doctrine and Theater cards in there that aren't just Vietnam. They're Arab-Israeli wars, they're India-Pakistan, they're, they're applicable to a whole bunch of different theaters. Um, but they're things that were like, this adds flavor to the game, because I think that's what we all enjoy. And we'll talk about it a little bit when we talk about uh, Gathering of Eagles. But I think there's, there's a lot of cool things that can be done with those cards. But if you're stuck printing them out and cutting them up and sticking them in sleeves and still not having all of them, uh, missing a couple key ones, it just it, it really detracts from the overall enjoyment of the game, I think. But then again, nobody really cares what I think. So that's why we're where we are. All right, let's move on. So talking about the hangar, I'm going to skip the fact that I bought some P47s. They're staring across the table at me, shaming me, uh, sitting underneath my box of acrylic from Litco. So we'll see uh, if they see the light of day or if they just get shipped to Trevor, because I've got no shame. I don't care. I'll send them and pay him some money and he'll paint them beautifully. So screw all you people. 
Uh, <laughs> we talked about the Rock Gladiators. Uh, and true to form, John the Pusher was passing out miniatures. Uh, what did you get uh, from John there, Brett? Oh, I got the uh, Adolf Galan figure. Yeah, I got a Sailor Milan. So, so there's definitely some uh, some personality figures that are going to have to be painted Saburo up. Saburo so. Sakai. <laughs> yeah, we don't care about your Saburo Sakai, whatever zero pilot and peoples. <laughs> no, but John John was good to all of us, and he had uh, a lot of those that he could pass out. So, um, some of us that were the the worker bees got our part of the swag bag. Since I don't think I gave you guys anything good. Sorry, <laughs> I gave you. Hey, I gave you some of uh, Steve's you know vehicles. So you know. Feel loved. <laughs> I didn't know I was getting a swag bag. I was just happy to get something. Yeah, well, I was just happy to get a tenderloin. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I wasn't because of the gut bomb. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Gathering of Eagles when we come back. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. So let's talk about Gathering of Eagles, or let's let's start with the background. How how did we come up with the Gathering of Eagles? Well, I'm going to share this sordid story because it's kind of funny. We didn't come up with the Gathering of Eagles. I can squarely lay the blame at the feet of John Russell and Rick Tab. Yes, both those guys were talking about it, saying we should do some kind of event. Uh, and Rick, thank you for approaching us and saying I think Lead Pursuit would be a great partner in this whole event um, because guess what. We took the ball and ran, and I feel like I fell flat on my face, but we had an event. Uh, so Gathering of Eagles 2020 went down. Everything was good. Didn't have a huge crowd. Uh, had, what, about 15 people by the time we count all of our uh, 30K and dust strap strap hangers right there, Chris? Yeah, probably. Probably. probably actually, probably almost 20. We actually yeah, had yeah, some people we, wander we, through the last we day had, that were, like, looking around. Exactly. Like, we had people wandering like, around. This is interesting. I know. We had people wandering around, nosing in there, a guy who... Uh, had done train stuff and uh, actually was from Oklahoma City like uh, like John was. And so there's some, we had some walk through. Uh, we had some of your magic players. AJ and his magic they guys my were magic there. players. You, you brought them just to freaking spite me. I did. Uh, I, and I have to admit, so so for everybody who's on the podcast, knows that I make fun of Chris about magic and he doesn't play magic. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that. But when AJ and his buddies rolled out there and said, hey, you know what? We need to break open these uh, decks of magic and start playing. I just started laughing. I'm like, guys, when Chris walks by, you have to drag him in. You you have to either throw some snide remark his way or shame him into playing magic. And I guess I guess they didn't shame you into playing magic. They, they didn't at all. AJ was totally Damn cool it. about it. I think he knew the inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, well, that's all right. Uh, but we went out there. We uh, we set up a tournament. Uh, so most everybody uh, played in the tournament, except uh, I guess, thankfully, I didn't. I just TO'd it because it was my first opportunity to TO something. So I had a lot to learn and a lot to figure out. Um, but uh, Brett, Steve, you guys both played in the tournament. What did you guys think big picture? I liked it. I, I think big takeaway from me, I liked how when you came to the table, you were playing open deck and you're uh, – your theater cards were determined. You had you had to make some choices when you got to the table as there were set theater cards on the table to choose from. Yeah, theater cards on the table was really awesome. And each table being uh, not just a different thematic map, but uh, a different size map was awesome. You know, so there was the one table that was the three by three. There was one that was a four by six. Uh, and it was just really cool because it, I felt like it really was measuring not just the list you made, but your ability to kind of adapt and play those theater cards. It, it was just really nice. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say that I, I thought of having the varying table sizes, but that really came up as I was rolling out the mats. And as I realized I didn't have a desert mat, so I went over and bought one from AJ and Unipolar. <laughs> and it was a three by three. And I'm like, well, we're just going to have variable ta game sizes tables and we're going to run with it. <laughs> this is the knife fight, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I think some of that makes sense when you start looking at all the different cards uh, and you look at, you know, obviously Steve didn't have an opportunity to cheat because there is no high cover in Scenario Zero. But Brett, you know, 
true to form, wanted to take the ball and run with it uh, on the cheater line and decided to not deploy all of his clouds he was given. Uh, so so people always had to react to what was going on with each of the uh, tables. And, and I thought that was pretty cool. I kind of, I'm a little jealous I didn't get to play, um, but I'm also glad I had full time to devote to watching how the tournament developed, how scoring developed, uh, to kind of refine it a little bit for next time. Uh, so that we can make some tweaks. I mean, it's not going to be, I don't think our next event's going to be dramatically different, but I think it will have some, have some small tweaks in there. I, I really like the uh, the time frame for each game too. I think it put a little pressure to, uh, you know, speed up play, but it wasn't cumbersome or, or oppressive. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think an hour is is about the right time frame. I think 45 minutes would be pushing people. Uh, and it's that's not bad, but, but I think an hour is the right time. And speaking of time frame, how quick does that hour go when you're in that dogfight, Brett? I mean, that thing goes quick, doesn't it? Yeah, you and I were clawing each other's eyes out for an hour and like couldn't get any boom chits until the very end. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting to see how a couple of different guys were playing and I was watching as I'd go around the tables. Uh, and so for some people, the hour was a stressor. For other people, uh, the game was winding down as they got into that last 10 minutes anyway. So there there was the question of, well, do I draw it out and make it a boom chit game or do I go ahead and get boomed out? So it was uh, it was kind of interesting to, to watch that. But I think I think we learned a lot. I think there's a lot of feedback that we're going to throw to Trevor and his game store down there in Florida and let them run with it. I know we are absolutely looking at other scenarios and doing more in a tournament than just all dogfight scenarios, but I think we also have to concentrate on what's easiest for people to set up, which is all dogfight scenarios. I think playing just just those games, it you know, it was the first time I played that list, first time I've ever played a tournament. But I think you know, I can't wait to do it again because I feel like oh, you know, I learned so many so many things about how it plays and how I want it to play that uh, I'll be better at it even next time. How'd you like cycling through so many different airframes, Brett? Because this is the first time you probably got to do that. Like, like really quickly cycling through a bunch of, I mean, everybody was probably one of the first times I got to do that cycling through an opposing airframe and not knowing what you got till you got to the table. Oh yeah. You mean coming against an opponent that I'd never exactly. played against before? Exactly. Yeah. My very first game was against uh, a bunch of Russian planes that I had no idea what their traits and stuff were and how they flew. It was a big swarm and it was, uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I think uh, it, it reinforced how I need to play my fight. You know, not so much that, you know, not like I have to ignore what the other opponent brings to the table, but I for, in that particular mission, that first game, I forgot the importance of those clouds and just, I don't know, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just, you know, happy to be on the table and get my stuff laid out and I just threw clouds out and I, in my, my fight, I need to deny that kind of play from my opponent. And, um, I think it's kind of a denial list that I have. And so having clouds prevents that denial. And I got my lunch money taken well, from me. Yeah, so so let's talk about it because you're not the only one that got their lunch money taken. Uh, you know, we've had this discussion about swarm lists and one of two answers has come up. People have said, well, your players grow out of swarm lists uh, or the other answer is you can beat it with trick X. Well, guess what? A swarm list took this one by storm. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Scott because Scott's a great player. He has kicked my ass continually uh, when we play back in Alabama. Uh, but it was interesting to me that it was, in fact, Scott's swarm list that uh, that came through and came through via boom chits because, Steve, he beat you out, not in number of wins, but by generating three boom chits over the entire uh, – three extra boom chits over the entire course of the, of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, throw. But I was one. I was literally one die away from winning that, beating him in that game. I mean, come on. You, you know were you. It was that was funny, and and I wanted to give you guys so much time. But you know why I was glad to call time on that one because it gave us a draw, and for nothing else than in the first tournament run through, I rolled in and I'm like, shit, I have a draw. Nobody boomed out. They have the same number of of boom chits. I got to add some some wording to everything we've put in there because. These dudes fought it down to the wire, and nobody won. <laughs> and don't forget, one of those boom shits he had on me was the uh, infamous ace flying off the board and yeah, yeah. missing on 16 dice to come back on. So That's just you. So so you're going to fly in high cover when you can, and when you have to bring your ace back on the board, you're going to fail that roll. You're going to be like, watch me play superior pilots. Oh, wait, that didn't work. <laughs> now, you 16 know, dice later. All, serious, all seriousness, though, I, it was really fun to play against different people like uh like chris was saying uh you know with everything going on 
pretty much I've played against you a couple of times in tabletop sim, played against Brett a bunch in tabletop sim, and that's it. So just to see the way that different people approach the game uh, was really neat. And I think the one thing I really learned uh, from this weekend is just the importance of keeping your plane plane advantage. Do not burn advantage unless it's like an absolute necessity or you're going to set up that tailing shot because, uh, you know, just keeping that advantage level, it prevents you from taking, getting those cheap deflection shots against you. It keeps you going first, uh, you know, and having a little bit of patience in this game goes a long, long way. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for only burn advantage to deny or to take a shot and be really careful if you're burning it to take a shot because there's probably some other dude that as soon as you burn it is waiting to take a deflection shot on you and punish you for that. So really got to be really careful about that. I apologize for everyone who watched the live stream. Uh, I am not a live stream personality. Walking around, I at least tried to give everybody a view of some of the tables. Yes, I know for a while there I left the camera focused on the table uh, because I got tired of carrying the stupid cell phone around. Uh, but we'll figure that all out and we'll figure out what uh, what different things we need to put in the stream. And I know some people showed up on Sunday expecting us to live stream the Vietnam discussion, but probably a good thing we didn't because we ranged far and wide in the Vietnam discussion. Um, so if you got feel like you got cheated, please drop us a line. Tell us what you uh, didn't like about the live stream. Uh, and likewise, if you did enjoy the live stream and watching people beat the crap out of each other on the table, uh, then uh, then we're glad you did. We'll figure all that technology out and we'll we'll determine what the best platform is for live streaming. All right, so I have to really give an awesome shout out to Unipolar. I know we've talked about AJ already, um, specifically for, for all kinds of cool things that he's done, but the t-shirts. I am so happy with the Gathering of Eagles t-shirts. Dude, that is one of the sweetest con shirts I own. Yeah, I mean, I I have to laugh because I'm probably going to order a couple other ones. And and there's people that have con shirts on their way to them that are winging their way through the uh, through the uh, post office um, because those were pretty cool shirts. And the dice trays. I mean, I, I like the fact that I have a GOE Blood Red Skies the yep. dice tray. I picked one up, too, as soon as I saw yours. In fact, I tried to snatch yours off the table and you wouldn't let me. Yeah, exactly. I kept having to steal my freaking dice tray back. I'd, I would walk back to the table of justice, the, the tournament operator's table with the dice of justice, my four six-sided dice, to determine the fate of any poor players that brought me their woes and their their rules, questions, and quandaries. Uh, and my freaking dice tray was gone. I go over to the heresy table and there's a BRS dice tray over there. I'm like, what the? What the F, Chris? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm rolling my freaking charge and you're freaking... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, get your damn you know, freaking Death Guard dice out of my Blood Red Skies dice tray. So I'm glad you went out and picked one up. So for anyone who wants one, they're still available. Uh, don't feel like it's a GOE exclusive. Uh, the t-shirts are also not a GOE exclusive. You just won't get them with a set of wings on them because you didn't attend the uh, Gathering of Eagles 2020. So you can buy a T-shirt. You'll get it with a nice big chest logo, all the Blood Red Skies stuff. And when you show up to Gathering of Eagles 2021, uh, Unipolar will be there, and you can get an iron-on put on your shoulder to show GOE 2021 and be there with all the cool kids. Um, but seriously, AJ, thanks a lot. Thanks to your wife for supporting us so much. She was awesome. She took care of us. Uh, somebody actually bought a couple of her books, so we're you know she she got to be in the spotlight uh, as well. So I'm glad that uh, the vendor piece worked out for her as well. Um, and we really appreciate you guys uh, supporting the whole GOE evolution. Now, that that brings up the question. What's next for GOE? Do I have to run one of these damn things again? What's what's the vote amongst the three of you? Dude, I thought it was a great event. I've been to a lot of events over the years. And that was, it was like, take a top level, well done con and strip away a lot of the distraction and just focus on gaming and have a good time and a large group of friends. And it was so cool that every night, the same group that was playing was out there drinking beer, sitting around the fire and talking about freaking airplanes yeah. and everything else. I mean, <laughs> so, it, it, so, it so never that's stopped. part of the problem as I've been to a lot of shitty cons. <laughs> and so I, I, I know what shitty events are like. And I'll be honest, the social hour is 75% of why I go. I love playing the games. I love talking to people about the games. But the capstone for all of that is after you've had your ass absolutely beaten by some of these guys, to sit there and to BS over beers or whatever your beverage of choice is, uh, and to just sit around the fire pit and talk about absolute nonsense, uh, that that really makes the con for me. 
Yeah, and they did such a great job. They did such a great job there at that hotel with, I mean, the fire pit and yeah, that they, little they freaking took area right there next to it. They were they were awesome. I feel like fall is the perfect time to to host an event like this. You know, if we could do the GOE every fall, that'd be my vote. Steve, what are your thoughts? No, I thought I did think that on the original schedule there was something though for like Doug Glover beach volleyball lessons. You know, and I yeah, that, that was that if I got all, all oiled up, but my logistics officer didn't bring. I any did oil, bring so. his Top Gun soundtrack that he left in my car. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought the winner was going to get a signed copy of Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone, and it just didn't happen. So I don't know. Maybe that was in Scott's Keep- swag bag, and I missed it. Keep the uh, Top Gun jokes coming there, Pilot Boy. We'll, we'll see how this all works out. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, I agree with Brett. Uh, I think a pure GOE is probably a once-a-year thing right now. Um, but what I will say is we're always open to doing what I'll say GOE light, you know, events where where we bring the GOE team, bring one or two of us from the Lead Pursuit podcast whether it be Coastal Con, Adepticon, we do a tournament or we just do some cool narrative play, uh, bring some models, bring some maps. Uh, we're open to that. And and the other, you know, kind of really 51% of it is we're open to supporting other people's gaming events too. So if you say, hey, we'd love to do a Gathering of Eagles at our Bolt Action Tournament or in concert with our Bolt Action Tournament, or if you say, hey, I'd like to stand up and do my own GOE, Drop us a line. We'll we'll see what we can do. Uh, do I necessarily want to replace my wonderfully empty COVID schedule with a travel around the country and do GOEs? Probably not. Um, but uh, I think if things are kind of starting to loosen up and people are starting to do events again, we'll look at uh, at where we can support. And to be honest, we want to hit a couple different locations. We want to bring a little bit of Blood Red Skies love out to the West Coast. Uh, probably hit Chicagoland, that area, with Adepticon, and then definitely do stuff in the Southeast uh, since uh, a number of us live down here. As for you guys in Pennsylvania, you're screwed. We're not coming up there. It's too freaking cold. And, and you're right next to New Jersey. Why do I want to go to New Jersey? Yeah, I'd rather go down to the, to the Southeast anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> we'll buy you a ticket. We, we, sorry, everyone, the GOE prices are going up because we have to fly Steve out of Pennsylvania. We're not coming to see him. Yeah, I mean, if you want to put one on and like – Florida in January, that'd be fine. You know, the other thing I think that we're really missing out here is uh, we just got to get all the wives to be friends, right? So then they want to hang out and we can Oh, yeah. Go, oh, then that you know. becomes dangerous because it's let, let me warn you about that. So, so here is the problem with that. I used to think that was a good idea. Then I did the fiscal analysis of it. And we will be in there with the pusher for two and a half days who will be absolutely devastating our bank accounts there. And then the wives will be out on their own, and they will be devastating our bank accounts. So this <laughs> will not work out well for any of us. Dude, and <laughs> don't don't think the pusher won't wile his skills on wives. I oh, brought oh, Christina yeah. to the event over in Michigan, and John Russell was immediately angling. So what you into? What do you do? What do you play? How do you what what do you, what do you see yourself doing? She started talking Korea. He was like, Oh, I got Korea. I got all this stuff right. <laughs> John, you're a shameless pusher. You horrible, horrible human being. That's why we love you. <laughs> if our wives all got together, they'd spend more money than the four of us at the vendor hall at Adepticon. I think. Yeah, well, so so I I have a frame of reference. It's coming down to Brett's house to hang out and do GOE and letting Michelle and Sean hang out. And my IKEA bill was not good. Let's let's go ahead and say that. <laughs> yeah, it can't be can't be near an IKEA, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We we have to make sure that that whatever the the wives love to do, we make sure that we at least mitigate that risk. So if it's anywhere with my wife who loves furniture, loves home renovation, nowhere near any of those high end. Well, that uh, settles it. Jacksonville, North Carolina. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing. (laughs) There's nothing there. Uh, Then we'll all be divorced because we'll be. We'll all be divorced because we'll end up spending the, the rest of the evening at the Driftwood. But. If you don't know what the Driftwood is, then you don't need to. They changed its name. It's the Platinum Club now. Ooh, I was shocked out? when I drove in. Yeah, I have no idea. I drove by. Is it related to the Platinum, Platinum in Yuma? I have Not no that idea. I know what the Platinum in Yuma is. <laughs> I've never been to the Platinum in Yuma. <laughs> 
I mean, all well, kidding aside, though, how how fun was like the hangouts after the games? Though, like you were saying, it was just great, right? Yeah, I I think that, and you know, we tried to keep it as apolitical as possible, and things then always end up being political or telling sea stories or whatever. So I feel bad if Chris and Brett and I dominated, uh, you know, with us and Scott and telling some of our uh, our stupid veteran stories. But some of the things are so funny, you have to tell the story. You I don't think I, keep it in. the good thing is if you're looking around the crowd and everybody's laughing. It's it's cool to just keep yeah. rolling with it. Yeah. That's the way I, I always look at it. You know, I have to come up with a collection of better lies to keep up to you guys. So I think it. Oh, oh, we have some amazing lies, and we're just going to keep telling those lies and make up better ones. It, it's you know it's what? hard not to do when you're a freaking jarhead. So, you know, what's seriously crazy about it though. Like you say, keeping it apolitical, right? It's it's really crazy how you know everybody comes together from all different parts, all different parts of the country, different beliefs, political beliefs and whatnot. And you kind of all just hang out over like a stupid board game and all, you know, just have a great time. So it's really cool that, you know, everybody in America isn't just constantly at each other's throats, right? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And it's funny because Scott and I, the guy who who won the tournament, you know, he and I live fairly close to each other in Alabama. Uh, we hang out, we play games. We love throwing spears at each other politically. Um, and it's just so funny because it's one of those things where I have to force myself to say, we're not doing that now. We're not. We're not in Scott's barn. <laughs> we're hanging out with a lot of other people. We want to make sure it's it's everybody just hanging out, having a good time. No one feeling uncomfortable. And and for me, that's one of the toughest parts as an event organizer, is to ensure that everybody has fun, ensure that we have a great time, but that we also know where some of those boundaries are. Uh, and if if people got a little feathers ruffled, that I came down pretty hard in my emails to start everything off. I just wanted to make sure that everyone had a good time. I want to make sure that we didn't roll in there um, and and start drawing distinctions between any of us as gamers because we just wanted to all be a bunch of gamers that love Blood Red Skies, love war games. Yes, some of us even love heresy. So I was jealous not being able to absolutely crush Chris's Mechanicum. But I guess that's what we had Brian for. Uh, so, I, I thought we were. I thought we were abundantly going. inclusive. I mean, we allowed the Air Force guys in there. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we let the Air Force in. Scott's now going to throw some spears at me via Facebook Messenger, but that's all right. Well, so let's let's talk about a couple of things, you know, really coming out of GOE that were the goods. Uh, I think we did a lot of collaboration. We spent a lot of time talking about what are things we can do to increase the distribution of the hobby? How can we bring new players in? Uh, a little bit of it was kind of the, the perfect storm. Me sitting there, kind of feeling like uh, like Mr. Big, uh, just putting putting all the mafia, you know, uh, sub bosses together, whether they're guys that are rules writers, game designers, 3D modelers, whatever Brett does, I'm not sure about that. But putting all those people in a room together and letting you guys talk about things that could be done to make Blood Red Skies better. Uh, and that was really, really cool to me to get the, the crazy ideas bounced off of everybody and people say, hey, we can do that or hey, that's a terrible idea. Uh, I think we ought to try something different. Um, so hopefully we'll see a lot of cool stuff. Uh, especially growing out of this GOE. I know Steve, Brett, uh, we've got some stuff we have to hash through, um, but I think there's there's some pretty neat opportunities that we'll have out there. Dude, and how awesome is the Vietnam going to be, man? That was the first time I saw the Vietnam uh, rules kind of in person. That is going to be really, really cool when Andy kind of finalizes those and we're shooting some missiles at each other. That That is going to yeah, be sweet. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be neat. I, we've We've gone back to Andy. We're trying to get a couple core concepts that we're going to pull out into a playable beta uh, so that people will be able to, to test it. We're not going to give you everything because there's still a lot that we're wrangling through on aircraft cards, uh, individual doctrine cards and, and things like that. But we want to get at least the missile rules and some missile equipped aircraft out so people can try that and give us their feedback. Because at the end of the day, we want it to be fun. I know we kind of had that, that theme there, Steve, as we were talking about it. There's a lot of things that me as a airplane nerd and, and Roger as well, we've we've written in there that may not be fun. And we need to make sure that when people are playing these games, they're actually having fun, not just going, hey, what do you know? My missiles suck just like they did in Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's just going to be it's just going to be a ton of fun, like you said. And I know there was some stuff when we were talking about it that, you know, counting missiles and doing this and do, you know, doing some other things that would kind of make it cumbersome. And I think always leaning towards the side of just fun is always the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's kind of the marching orders that Andy always gives me. And so anytime we, we go back and Roger and I look at something, we 
tend to say, is it fun? Is it simple? Is it fast? Uh, and knowing that, as we've said a million times in this podcast, Blood Red Skies is a beer and pretzels game. It's not a hardcore simulation. It doesn't even model some things very well. It's a fun game. It's a social game. You want to play it with your, with your friends, uh, and it doesn't have to be a perfect simulation. So I think we'll see, uh, we'll see how that works. But one of the things I did want to talk about that, that kind of grew out of that discussion uh, is some customized premium starter sets. And, you know, we've, we've batted a couple ideas around the, the team between Richard and everybody else uh, at Rockworks has some amazing models. Uh, keep an eye on what Lead Pursuit is doing because we are planning on offering some premium starter sets out there. In other words, ways to get into the game get your airstrike rulebook, get some cool miniatures and get it all as a single source package so that you don't have to go, well, I got to order something from Rockworks, got to order from Warlord. I got to order this stuff over here, get some acrylic markers from this company, kind of make it a single source kind of thing. So you can roll in there, pick that up, or more importantly, you can recommend to your buddies, to all your friends, you can go, hey, you like biplanes. You like the Gladiator and CR-42? Well, there's a Malta starter set over there with just those biplanes. Yes, they burn Doug's hands when you pick them up. Uh, but uh, we'll take a look at a couple of those things, and hopefully there'll be some some cool starter sets coming out in the next couple of months, especially because we know it probably won't be until Black Friday, until November, that we see a starter set for Malta or for Midway. So there's going to be a little bit of a gap here that we need to fill for the community. All right, so let's wrap this thing up, guys. We've been talking for almost an hour now, and while I love all of you guys equally, you're you're all such wonderful friends, I'm getting tired of talking to you all. <laughs> Brett, any last-minute things to uh, to wrap up on? No, just uh, excited to wrap up the uh, campaign system and get it out to folks soon. We've got a lot of work to do on that, but it's coming along. Yes, if you wanted that immediately, blame Doug. Doug is the reason you don't have a campaign system sitting in your grubby little paws. <laughs> yeah, but Doug might have 10 pages he could send you, so. Yeah, exactly, because I ripped them out. <laughs> I used them to stuff packages. No. Uh, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Steve, anything else uh, to offer to the community before we go? Yeah, just, you know, can't wait till the next one, man. It was a great weekend. Everything ran great. Everybody was, sportsmanship was great. Tons of fun. Can't wait till the next one. Absolutely. Any more tenderloins to offer there, Chris? Well, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to um, Ryan Kimmel, who came through with gaming tables and everything for the extraneous gamers that came. Anybody who doesn't know Ryan Kimmel, he's the king of gaming in Indianapolis, runs a battle barn down there. If you're in the indie area and you're looking for a gaming group to get into, he runs just about everything. He mainly focuses on Battletech. Um, but also, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Height over at Sinclair Games who gave us a $50 gift card to um, hand out to um, one of our winners from um, some of the tournaments this weekend, So, which was amazing. Just called him out of the blue, said, hey, we're doing this. It's a quick notice thing because of COVID. Didn't know if we were going to pull it off at the last minute. And he said, sure, I'll support it. What do you guys need? And, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And Sinclair Games was awesome. Yeah, and They uh, are great. And I can't say enough nice things about those guys. And it's kind of funny. I feel, I feel bad that I never look at a game store's schedule for whether when they're open until I get there and then realize crap I've already scheduled stuff when I would go over and visit the game store so I didn't get a chance to uh, to go over there to patronize them to spend some money in their uh, FLGS but I can't say enough and if you are in the indie area please go over there uh, patronize uh, those guys and take care of them because they certainly took care of us and they and like Chris says they took care of us at a drop of a hat didn't even ask questions um, so I'm, I'm super appreciative for no, that. No, he was and going to give us a starter set, realized he didn't want to have an inventory and said, hey, I'll just give you $50. You yeah. know, <laughs> give me an email address and I'm going to send it to you right now. I mean, he I, was I did that laugh. easy going. I did laugh as soon as he said, I'll send you a starter set. I'm like, oh, the holy grail. Are there still starter sets left? And in, ca in case you're wondering, John Russell has three. So there are at least three starter sets left in the United States. <laughs> I haven't looked at Amazon recently. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And to tie all this up, thanks to everybody who pitched in, helped us run this gathering of eagles helped us with uh with swag bags helped us with vendor support helped us by just showing up so uh, i know some people showed up and didn't even play in the tournament that's fine just come out play some narrative games have some fun uh and come out and even play heresy if you don't want to play blood red skies uh, so it was always good to have a bunch of gamers together i really appreciate everyone's effort and i appreciate uh, the time that people take to listen to the podcast and give us their feedback so if you missed out on goe and you want to tell us what you think 
please jump over to Facebook and you can find us over there at Lead Pursuit Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Lead Pursuit Podcast. And worst case, you can go to leadpursuit.net. And what do you know? There's a contact form on the website. Yes, one of those legacy web internet things, a contact form. You can send us uh, information there. Tell us your bitches, complaints, gripes, otherwise. And believe it or not, we actually listen. So thanks to everyone for the support. And thanks to all you for being on the podcast. We will talk to you next time. I know things are good. Other than the, the modem <laughs> craziness today, dude, I was losing my mind because I'm doing an on, online internet course and freaking, no, the test would load. And I'm like, what is going on? And freaking all the all our TV lately has been having problems being fuzzy. So yeah, it was just the, the router going. Yeah, he can't get his porn and uh, he couldn't get onto Tinder to show off his <laughs> Tinder loin. I'll be right back. I printed out show notes and left them in the other room. I'll be right back. Oh, nice work. Oh, F. look at Brett, man. It's an F. Show notes? Show notes? I, I just I have them I, on I my computer I because I know when I'm going to follow them. Because I didn't even know we had them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, dude. This so, Steve, do you, do you see what I deal with with these guys? I mean, uh, it's yeah, like, I hey, thing, things are on Google Drive. And like, how do we use the Google Drive? I don't even have a Google account. Oh, is there stuff on Google Drive? <laughs> <laughs>